the 205th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win 54 to 53. North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good. Fred Brown looking. Oh, way to worthy. Worthy five. The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship. Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champion. Love guarded by Keels. Gets a screen. Pulls up for three. Got it. Caleb from straight away. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today, getting you ready for Carolina and Pittsburgh. That'll come your way Wednesday night at 7 p.m. over on the ACC Network. We're going to get you up today on the latest with the Panthers. Uh, same thing for the Tar Heels. We'll look back at the first matchup between these two schools at the end of December, give our keys to the game, pick the game, and so much more. But we start every preview edition of the pod, as we always do, with our pod thought of the day. And uh, today's thought is a pretty uh, it, it's, it's a pretty relative one, although the author of this quote, I don't know who it is. But it was on the site research. The, the site where I go to get the thought. I read it, I liked it, and I moved it over into the the pod layout for the show. So it would be credited to anonymous. No, no. There you go. The guy has a name. You just, I just can't pronounce the name? I don't know who it is. His name is Hubert H. Humphrey. Oh, well, you have to reveal the actual name of the person just because you don't know who that is. Many of our sophisticated listeners, who are much more sophisticated than us, um, are probably, you know, they they probably know, what, what did you say, Hubert H. Humphrey? You know who that is? I, I don't, but, uh, I mean, I know a Hubert, so. Yeah, so do close I. Close enough. Uh, but his quote goes, a smooth sea never made... A skillful, skillful mariner. Is it not mariner? That might be the other way to say it. Okay, there you go. But I, I like it. I like it. And uh, I think you're right. I think it does apply to this team. Kind of like what we talked about in the last edition of the podcast. They've been through some ups and downs, and I think it, it's got them in a good position. And one of those uh, one of those downs was Pittsburgh. Yeah, and, and the Panthers come into this game uh, looking to, to, to continue to, to play at the level that they're playing at. They've got a 15-7 and record overall, and I think it's fair to say if Clemson wasn't having the, the season that they're having – Pittsburgh would be the biggest surprise team in the conference, but with Clemson being eighteen and four, ten and one in the league, uh, they're easily the biggest surprise in the conference. But Pittsburgh, as I said, they're fifteen and seven. They are eight and three 
and conference play over the weekend. They beat number 20 Miami. 71 to 68 and and against teams that were ranked at, at the time of the matchup including the last time Carolina was ranked when they beat us in December this team's 3 and 1 against top 25 teams so they've they've played really well in some of their bigger contests we mentioned that they did beat Carolina that was back on December 30th a 76-74 win for Pittsburgh and that was that weird Friday noon game because it was the it was on the eve of New Year's Eve so a lot of you know uh, businesses and stuff are, are closed to celebrate the start of the new year of course schools are still out stuff like that and so TV trying to you know profit off of that had a had a noon ACC game and you know I think we knew going into the game that that was going to be a tricky just a time for Carolina to be ready to go. And then Carolina didn't close the game out. And that led me to come on here in a very fiery, emotional uh, podcast after a defeat because we didn't think Pittsburgh was all that good. But you check back in a month later, and they're definitely a much more improved basketball team. And a big reason why is they've got four players averaging double-figure scoring, led by Blake Henson, 16.4 points, 6.5 rebounds, 1.3 assists. He's shooting 45% from the field, 38% from three. Jamarius Burton, 16.1 points, 4.8 rebounds, 4.8 assists. He's shooting 52% from the field and 37% from three. Greg Elliott at 11 points, 4.4 rebounds, 1.1 assist. He's shooting 45% from the field and 41% from three. And then their last guy, Nellie Cummings, uh, 10.2 points, 2.6 rebounds, 4.4 assists. Uh, He's shooting 38% from the field, 31% from three. But even as I mentioned, with the 3-1 and record against top 25 opponents at the time, a healthy 15-7 and overall record and 8-3 and in the league. Now, he hasn't been updated, but in Joe Lenardi's latest NCAA tournament projection, which last came out on Friday as we're recording here on a Monday, they were listed as a last four in, so a team that would be playing in Dayton uh, in, in the first four. You would imagine that that win over Miami would probably put them more comfortably into the field, but uh, as things yeah, stay... probably move them up like two or three spots because apparently Joe, uh, Joe Lenardi this year just hates the ACC. Like, there is absolutely no respect that is given to this conference. And I got to be honest, don't really understand it. So, like, that's the thing is we talked the other night about how Carolina could, you know potentially, even if they don't win the ACC regular season, I would like to see them get to a four or a five line. I mean, in his mind, I don't even know if that's possible at this point because it doesn't seem like no matter what you do, you really move up. Like, I I don't understand how this is a last four in scenario. That doesn't really make any sense to me at all. Yeah, no, I mean, it it doesn't. I think a a, a big reason why is – you look at the Big 12 is as insanely deep a conference as we've probably ever seen uh, in the modern tournament, considering they, they even though they're the Big 12, of course, only 10 teams, and they're probably going to put eight of their 10 into the field. You look at the Big 10, its, it's depth is really impressive with a team like Penn State that is going to be legitimately, be legitimately be playing for the right to go to the NCAA tournament. 
And then some of these smaller conferences, they're just really, really good basketball teams. And some of these usually, you know, one, two bid leagues, like you look at what you got in the West Coast Conference with Gonzaga, Santa Clara's really good. Uh, we watched a game the other night between Boise State and New Mexico. Those are two teams that legitimately can make the NCAA tournament as at large bids. So, I, I look, I'm with you. I think there's been a lot of disrespect to the ACC from top to bottom. Um, and I always say that's because when Duke and Carolina aren't at the top, People just believe the conference isn't all that great. I disagree with that. But I do think it's also just the fact that there are a lot of other conferences around the country that have quality depth in, you know, on the basketball court. But kind of getting back to Pittsburgh and what this game means, you know, you'd imagine that if we got an updated bracket, Pittsburgh would be a little bit more solidly in the field. But this is probably still a team that even with, you know, some quality wins and stuff like that, they still feel like they got to play their way into the tournament and they'll come to this game motivated to earn a regular season sweep of the Tar Heels. Yeah, and I mean, they got to be feeling confident. And I, I look, I know, like you said, there were – a lot of different circumstances to that game. I mean, it was part of a an odd triple header that didn't really make a whole lot of sense at the time, right? You know, right before uh, New Year's Eve, and you know it was at home for them. So now they got to travel on the road. But look, this is a team that looked like after that Florida State game that they lost a couple weeks ago. A lot of people started saying to themselves, "Is this team starting to slip a little bit? Is this team?" going to find their way out of the NCAA tournament. You know, they got off to a good start, and they'll just fade. And they've picked up back-to-back really good wins. Now, Mm -hmm. both of them are at home, but you still have to give them credit for wins over Wake Forest, another team that's on the bubble, and Miami, who's a ranked opponent. So, Carolina's got their work cut out for them. This was a team that, you know, we haven't seen a lot of teams do this. Um, You know, outside of the two teams that Carolina saw in the Phil Knight Invitational who are both really, really good basketball teams haven't really seen Carolina get out-executed down the stretch of games. Not quite like that game against Pittsburgh. That was a game where Carolina had it in their hands. Uh, They should have won that game, and they pretty much just handed it over to Pittsburgh. So I I think for Carolina, there's going to be motivation to show that not only that matchup, but the one last year in the Smith Center where they were basically called a soft team by a, a former Tar Heel and a guy that's on that staff and Jason Capel, I, I think there's going to be you know motivation to prove that this is not a soft basketball team, that this team is better than this Pittsburgh team. But look, Carolina has struggled recently with Pittsburgh. Don't know why. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, especially because this is the first time really since Jamie Dixon left that they've even been remotely good. But here we are, and Carolina's got to be ready for that because this Pittsburgh team, as you know, as you said, we, we don't know where they are right now in relation to the tournament field. For them, their mindset has to be nothing is guaranteed. We have to keep winning. And the more of these types of wins that they can stack up, the better. This would be a quad one win for them. So for Carolina, they have to realize they've got a target on their back in this game, and they have to come prepared, ready to play like that. I'll tell you the biggest reason why Carolina has struggled with Pittsburgh. They haven't been tough. And that's the biggest reason why a, a guy like Jason Capel has made himself an enemy out of his former program because he hasn't been afraid to tell Tar Heel players and the fans 
this team is soft. And so for me, this this is a game where Carolina's got to put Pittsburgh back in its place and remind them who they are and what they are, which in comparison to Carolina is nothing. They, they, they don't have a resume that should even really – like Pittsburgh's the type of school that should have to thank Carolina they allow them on the court because they don't have the type of history, tradition, success that Carolina has to offer. And that's with Jamie Dixon doing a really good job at Pittsburgh in the mid-2000s. That program was a number one seed in the tournament a handful of times. But when he, when he left to go back home to his alma mater, that program fell on hard times. And for most people, the, the, most, the most memorable moment in Pitt basketball history is a dunk that made Bill Rafferty say, send it in! That's what you pretty much look at when you think that of Pittsburgh was the basketball. Worst Bill Rafferty impression. Do one better. I have ever heard. It's smooch. It's it's not great, yeah. but I don't know what what. I, if you go listen to the call, he goes send it in, Jerome. He starts screaming. The not dude like broke that though. That is that is brutal. That that, is I mean the, the the dude the dude broke a a backboard in college and he wasn't Shaq who was three hundred and forty pounds. Yeah, but Bill Rafferty didn't exactly squeak. I mean, is that our friend Will? Is that Bill Rafferty or our friend William Palacio? Look, my my voice is going through some things. It may not what be is, the, what 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 is it going through? Um. When you talk for a puberty, li- when you talk for a living, you you have to you have to manage your throat. Are they dropping? And, and right now, my throat's just a little worn out. Are they dropping? Finally, they oh, is that's what is that what's happening? If if you don't think they drop, just ask some of your family members about it. Okay, that's interesting. But anyway, and so like that's what I look at when it comes to this game. Is is Carolina's got? I want Carolina to come out and be ready to punk them, because I'm gonna be honest with you, like. I hate Jeff Capel. I'm starting to hate Jason Capel more because I've never seen a former guy just take it upon himself to to just be a jerk to a fan base that even when he comes back, for the most part, embraces him because he, he knows he's there at Pittsburgh coaching with his brother. And so I want to see Carolina attack this game with that type of mindset that, look, you came into our building last year in February – and you 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 punked us. You embarrassed us. Um, that was when we thought all hope was lost. And then we went up there thinking in December this, of this season, hey, we're going to go get payback. That didn't happen. Well, now we owe them two games to get back back at them for. Let's do that in this game. But also, there's the look ahead factor, which we'll talk about later. Because on Saturday, you got to make a little eight mile trip down the road and face your biggest rival as the rivalry. You know, it officially ushers in a new era. As for Carolina, though, they enter with a 15 and six record. They are seven and three in the ACC. I'll reference Joe Lenardi's bracket one more time just to tick you off. Uh, he had Carolina listed as an eight seed. Carolina, of course, hasn't played in over a week. So, if anything, they probably dropped a spot or two because they took, you know, they had some time off. I got to be honest, they're probably in the first four out. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Has them on the same line as NC State. Did you did you watch the game, Joe? So do you want to be on the interview when I have him on the podcast or no? Like like can I trust I mean, you yeah. in that setting to be professional or are you gonna attack my no, guy? Of course I would be professional. But like to me it just doesn't make sense. Like, how is Carolina on the same line as of right now as as NC State? Like, they beat him head to head. We we have better wins on our resume now. Now, granted, some of the wins that are on the resume, you kind of scratch your head and say, "How is that a really good win?" 
But according to the net rankings, hey, man, Ohio State's a great win. I don't really get it, <laughs> but it is. Like, I just – that, to me, it just does not make sense why Carolina is where they are at. I think that if, the way you've seen this team play recently – I think they should probably be on the seven line, getting close to the six line. Yeah. But it is what it is. Um, as for Carolina, they've got four players like Pittsburgh averaging double figures, led by Armando Baycotts, 17.9 points, 11.4 rebounds. And he's doing that while shooting 58% from the field. R.J. Davis is the second leading scorer for Carolina. He's averaging 16.4 points per game, 4.9 rebounds, 3.2 assists. Uh, He's shooting 45% from the field, 38% from three. So you've really seen his numbers really level out to where we would imagine he would have been at the beginning of the year. Caleb Love is third on the team in scoring 16.2 points, 3.5 rebounds, 3.1 assists. Uh, he's shooting 38% from the field, 28% from three. And you got Pete Nance, who, of course, made all the important plays against Syracuse. Uh, 10.9 points, six rebounds, 1.7 assists, shooting 47% from the field and 37% from three. One thing I want to do, though, before we go to break is kind of look back at the first matchup between these two mm-hmm. because I, I was kind of telling you when I was laying it out, I don't really know how Carolina lost the game. I don't think they did at the time either. Because, like, you look at the scoreboard and or you look at the box score and Carolina did a lot of really good things, you know, in a game where, you know, usually when Carolina loses, you could say, well, they didn't defend the three-point line well. Well, they held Pittsburgh to 20% shooting from three. Maybe they lost the rebounding battle. Carolina out-rebounded them 38-33. to 33. Uh, Carolina did commit 11 turnovers, and, and Pitt com- committed just eight. But it just didn't really make a whole lot of sense how Carolina lost the game. It was the first time, though, all season long that in a tight, in a, in a, in a tight ball game, Carolina didn't make winning plays. Because earlier in the year against Wilmington, College of Charleston, Gardner-Webb, uh, Portland, you know, whether it was Michigan or Ohio State. There we go. Those ones feel a little better. You know, Carolina made winning plays when they had to. Yep. This game, it was a one-two possession ball game at the under-four timeout. You still felt confident Carolina was going to win. That didn't happen to be the case that day. Oh, I can tell you exactly what happened. Remember, Carolina was dominating inside. Armando Bay caught 30 minutes into the game. Looked like, I mean, it, it looked like a vintage Armando Baycott performance. He was absolutely destroying Pittsburgh. They had nothing for him. I mean, absolutely nothing. Federico, Federico inside could not keep position against them. The Diaz Graham twins came in, but they still, they still really didn't hold their own against them. And Carolina just went away from it. They started taking perimeter shots. It, really just derailed everything they were doing offensively. And then on the, on the defensive end of the floor, uh, Jamarius Burton basically looked like, I, I, I mean, he looked like he was he was heading towards the NBA All-Star game the way he was playing. I mean, Carolina could not stop him from getting to the rim at all. Every single time they tried to throw anything different at him, he would still adjust, drive right by guys. So, I mean, that, that, was, that was really... How it went down the stretch was that Carolina stopped containing the ball, and on the offensive end of the floor, they just took bad shots, and it left them in a vulnerable position because they hadn't put the game away, which is something else that we talked about a lot, even recently. That's the one thing that this team, look, 
They are starting to round into form. We truly believe that. But the next step is this team has to start putting away some of these opponents. And and I don't know if Pittsburgh fits that category. As you mentioned, they're a team that's in the NCAA tournament field right now. They're 15-7. and seven. This is a pretty solid basketball team. But there are going to be teams later on in the year where you feel like Carolina should put them away. And if they have a chance in this game to put them away, if they are up by eight, nine points, even double digits, you have to find a way to put the game away. They were in the first matchup. They didn't. And once you started making those mistakes down the stretch, it changed the game completely. And you lost, at the time, what felt like a really a really bad loss on the schedule. But now, I mean, look, you, you just, you can't afford to lose another game like this. This would be your first non-quad one loss. So for Carolina, I think that's really been that that that's really the key right now. They'll have a chance to get some quad one victories, but avoid losses like this. And I don't think we should be over too nervous about it because it is at home. Yeah, and then look Carolina has been I mean, I, I'm willing to call them dominant the way they've played at home so far at different times this year. They're definitely just so much better at home. And uh, only two losses at home so far since Huber Davis took over. And if you remember uh, Roy Williams' last, last season during the COVID year, Carolina just lost one game at home. So they've definitely kind of restored prominence to winning at home in the Smith Center. And they'll look to continue that on Wednesday night when they have their second matchup of the year with Pittsburgh. And we'll give you our keys to the game coming up next. But first, we're going to get you the latest offer we have from DraftKings. And then when we come back, we'll give you our keys to the game, pick the game on the Four Corners podcast, back after this message from DraftKings. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. I use DraftKings Sportsbook all through the college football season, through the NFL playoffs, and I'll be sure to use the same thing with these same-game parlay features all at DraftKings Sportsbook for the remainder of the NBA season. Download the DraftKings app now and sign up with the code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with that promo code TBPN. Minimum age and and eligibility restrictions do apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. We really hope you guys are are using DraftKings to for, for your home for all of your sports betting, whether you go through the NFL playoffs, which will culminate with Super Bowl 57 in two weeks, or now for the NBA season, which is starting to heat up, college basketball, whatever it is, make sure you're using DraftKings. Make sure you're using those promo codes to take advantage, take advantage of all those great offers. Let's dive in now to our keys to the game for this matchup with Pittsburgh. And the first one I have written down is not to look ahead to Saturday because, you know, that's, that's always the, the struggle with the game before the Duke game. It doesn't matter how good Carolina is 
how bad the opponent Carolina can be playing because of the hype and the, you know, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, anticipation that goes into that game. Of course, there is that natural look-ahead factor when you're dealing with college kids. And the problem is, is that if Carolina looks ahead, they could afford to, or, you know, they'll lose a game that it's not that they can't afford to lose, but it would kind of just make us wonder and question, okay, are they really becoming the type of team that we think they are? I said, you know, earlier that this kind of was a game where I wanted to see you, uh, Carolina put Pittsburgh back in their place and remind them of who they are as a basketball program. But from the Carolina side of things, this is a maturity game. Like, this is a game where you got four, four starters back from last season, another fifth-year starter in your starting lineup, and, you know, some guys off the bench that have played big roles for you in big moments. This is, this is, a, this is about maturity. This is about approaching the game the right way. And, and I'm not going to say that if Carolina does that, they're going to coast to an easy win. But I think as long as they can think about Saturday on, you know, late Wednesday night, first thing on Thursday, I think it does give them the opportunity to come out, play well, and pick up a much-needed ACC win at home. Yeah, no, and and look, they they it's possible that they could overlook this game. But to me... I mean, you should be drilling it in these guys' heads if you're Hubert Davis that, look, you have been embarrassed by this team twice now. I mean, looking back on it, yeah, the loss wasn't that embarrassing that you suffered, you know, back in December. But, like, here's the thing. But, I mean, a lot of it is like, dude, what happened last year at home? Like, that's embarrassing. Yeah, that Pittsburgh, team, Pittsburgh was bad. That last team was year. pathetic, and they went in there and kicked. And, and and frankly, they kicked your ass. Like there's just no other way around it. They bullied you, and then in in the game in December, look, you were bullying them for the majority of the way. But when it mattered the most, they bullied you by getting to the rim. So yeah, this team, you you should be motivated. But yeah, that's I mean that's that is one of my concerns with this game, is that. They will overlook this one, and, and it'll be something we'll talk about the game afterwards as well. That Tuesday matchup afterwards on the road at Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. This game really does mean that much, folks. It is the biggest rivalry in sports, and anybody that disagrees is a moron. So, <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, it's just it, it, there's so much that goes into it. There's going to be so much coverage, not as much as, as, as you know, the matchups that we saw last year. But look, it's it's John Shire's first installment of this rivalry. It's just Hubert Davis' Davis's second year in the rivalry. So it's pretty much going to be a new chapter. There will be all those storylines around it. And so you have to sort of avoid looking ahead to that, cut out all that noise, and say, look, we've got a game against a really good opponent that we have to focus on. And I think that's something that that kind of helps this game. If this was a Pittsburgh team that was, you know, similar to what they were a year ago, or even, you know, similar to that Boston College team that we saw a couple weeks ago, I would be more concerned. I would say, man, this could be a team that they overlook. This team's pretty good. They've already beaten them once this year. I think Carolina is going to come out motivated, but it's always going to be a factor whenever you play Duke. Those games before and after, it's always going to be a big key for them. Yeah, and and so, you know, like I said, I think it also helps that you've got a guy like Hubert Davis who 
played in the Carolina Duke rivalry, so he knows what it's like to play the game before the game, and knows how what you know in terms of preparation and stuff like that. And and so, um, I, I and I, I do think that stuff does matter because as, even us as fans, the media or whatever, like, look, we're, we're gonna watch and be invested in Carolina and Pittsburgh on Wednesday night. But we're already talking about getting plans ready for Saturday. Where speak, we will speak for yourself. You know, never, never look ahead. What know, did Roy Williams tell us? One game at a time. You know, like where where are we going to watch the game? What are we eating? What are we drinking? Where are we going to celebrate? You know, all those types of things. But you know, I, I think the thing is, if Carolina approaches this game the right way and they play really well, I think they'll give them a chance to win the ball game. The biggest thing, probably on the court. For Carolina to have a chance to win, and they really struggled at this at times the other night against Syracuse, they got to contain the ball because for some reason, and it's not it's not just Love and 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 Davis that are struggling. Carolina's had a really hard time keeping guards out of the lane. Mm-hmm. Leaky Black at times has had a really difficult time keeping his guy out of the lane. I know if you go and look at the 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 film against NC State. That was really good tape. Carolina defended at a really high level. And the problem was, well, Sheber Davis said, well, now I have proof that they can do it. And then they went out against Syracuse and didn't do it. And and so I think that's got to be the thing in this game. You mentioned what, what really happened in the first game was Carolina couldn't keep them out of the lane. Um, and, it, you know, Jamarius Burton scored 31 points on 14-7 shooting. Like, he missed three shots. Yeah. I mean, I missed more than three shots on Tinder in 10 seconds. This guy out here in an ACC game dropped a 30-piece and did so in an efficient manner. I want to see that that energy, that effort, that intensity on the defensive end that you saw against NC State. Mm-hmm. That's got to start becoming more consistent because they've proven that when that's there, they can defend and, and defend at a high level. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And those, look, you can say whatever you want. If you go back and look at those NC State guards, they are not a, they are not guys that are built to just stand behind the arc and shoot the three ball. They are guards that want to get downhill. And Carolina did a good job of keeping them from doing what they what has allowed them to have the most success so far this season. And as we've seen since then, that's a good basketball team. They really are, guys. I mean, I hate to admit it as well, but that's a tournament team. And so so yeah, you're right. That's the thing that Huber Davis has to be telling them is, look, I already know that you guys can do it. Now it's an effort thing. You have to be able to stay in front of these guys. And look, Burton's going to be tough, man. There's going to be times where you're going to give up some of those drives to the lane because he's an aggressive guard. He will fight through that stuff. He draws a lot of contact. That's something that Carolina hasn't really seen a whole lot of this year. They're used to doing that to other teams. They're not used to seeing it a lot. So... Another element of this game is Carolina's going to have to be able to stay out of foul trouble. Mainly, you're going to have to keep Armando Baycott from getting in foul trouble. And that's on the guards to stay in front of their guys. Don't let them get inside of your big man and put them in a tough spot. Him or Jalen Washington if he's in there. So that's the thing. Can you stay in front of these guys? Because, yeah, you're right. The thing that we were talking about with this game the first time was we looked at them and said, look, this is a team that does like to get to the basket, but they're also a team that shoots the three ball well. Well, in the first game, 
I think they were so focused on taking away that outside shooting. And they did. and w- Which they did. But the problem is, is that it opened you up to allow easy shots inside. I know it's tough. I'm not saying leave guys wide open. But I would rather a team get hot from the outside and beat you than let somebody just walk down the lane over and over again. So, to me, yeah, that, that's got to be a key in this game. You have to stay in front of your guys because if you don't, it is going to be a long, long night, especially if Burton can get to the rim. And guy that we shut down the first time but is capable of getting hot if Blake Henson can get hot as well. Yeah, and it's a really good point you brought up by staying out of foul trouble because it appears that uh, Puff Johnson won't be ready to go for this game. He's still battling with that sore knee. Mm. Uh, hopefully he'll, he'll be able to be back on the court for that matchup with Duke on Saturday. R.J. Davis was going to practice today, so uh, Hubert Davis said he's in a really good spot after you know that, that scary uh, shot he took to the face at the end of that game against Syracuse where Jim Beheim thought his his team and his player were the victim. Pick another booger. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I think if, if Carolina defends and defends at a high level, have a really good chance at the uh, at, at, at slowing down that, that dribble drive. Another way to do that? You can full court press and make them have to settle for stuff because they can't get into their offense until there's less than 15 seconds on the shot clock. The last thing we'll talk about, and I think this is really just more prevalent if, if this game is really close, because because I think for the most part, outside of Caleb Love, Caroline's done a good job at this, is the shot selection. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest reason why in, in this game is that the rosters haven't changed since December. And you mentioned Armando. I got to be honest with you. You got to update that, though, every time because in the modern era of college sports, you never know. Well, you know, you mentioned they didn't have an answer for Armando Baycott. He had 22 points and 13 rebounds and did so on 8 of 14 shooting. So if they didn't have a guy in December that could stop him, I don't know how they'd have a guy in January that could stop or in February that could stop him. And look, I thought Carolina did some really good things against Syracuse. They they made some big three pointers in that first half, and when that when that went away in the second half, they put the ball back inside, played a high low game with Pete Nance. Well, do that again. Be mindful of the fact that look, your three point shooting is starting to it's starting to get there. R.J. Davis is shooting nearly forty five percent from three since the turn of the year. You can see it with Caleb Love where the shot just looks better coming off his hand, so that percentage number you would imagine is going to rise over the, the, the over the remainder of the season. But play inside out first. Be aggressive. Get to the rim, you know, and, and really attack them. I don't want to see the settling for perimeter shots. I just don't. Like, because they, they couldn't they couldn't take they, they couldn't stop you in the first matchup. I, I know teams improve as as the season move along moves along. I don't think they've improved that much. So I think as long as Carolina comes out and they contain the dribble drive in a, in, a, in, a, in a much better way than they did in the first matchup, and their shot selection is much more better if the game is tight. I think Carolina really puts themselves in a position to come away with this game with a comfortable win. Well, I think it matters in a couple of different spots. I think it matters early in the game right before halftime, and then if this is a close game late. I think the mindset should be get the ball inside, like you're saying, until they can prove that they can stop you. 
As I said, old Frederico Frederico did not have anything for him early on in that first match. Is that his first name too, by the yeah, way? Yeah, no, that's it. That's okay. Because you're saying it name. with sarcasm in your voice. No, Frederico Frederico is his actual name. I could not believe that the first time. I thought the announcers were mistaken, but no, that's his. That's his name. And then they have the two twins, Diaz, the Diaz Graham twins. They'll throw them in, but neither one of these guys. I mean, there were times where, I mean. Guys just completely out of position on the defensive end of the floor. And yet Carolina went away from it. That was what was frustrating in the in in you know this first matchup. Now I will say this. There are going to be moments where Carolina is going to have to take perimeter shots. When these teams met the first time around, RJ Davis was not playing at the level that he's playing right now. Now the question is, is you know, how how much time did R.J. Davis miss? How much practice time did he miss? And, you know, is he 100%? If he is, you would imagine he could stay in that rhythm. If not, you wonder how it really affects him. But I think, you know, the way he's been playing lately, I, I mean, I said, it, I, there, I, I said it on the last edition of the podcast, I really believe there are times where he is your best offensive option down on – that end of the, you know, of the four. And I, I think that could pop up at times again in this game on Wednesday night. We'll, we'll, you know, again, force the issue inside, but feel confident that if they start to take away what you're doing inside, which credit to them to, to, to a, you know, at, at least a certain stretch, they did take it away. Or, you know, in the middle of the first half of the first matchup and late in that game as well. They did a good job of eventually forcing Armando Baycott to have to give up the ball or for them not to put it inside. It was just at times it felt like Carolina wasn't putting in the effort to get the ball inside. But you know that you've got a guy now in R.J. Davis on the perimeter that's playing better. You're hoping that Caleb Love is now maybe in a little bit more of a rhythm, and this can start to be, you know, him him progressing in the right direction after that game against Syracuse. Um, Pete Nance, good offensive night the other night. Let's see if he can carry that over into this one. A- and you're even seeing some guys off the bench that have stepped up and played well, like DeMarco Dunn. So there's reasons to be confident that your guys can shoot it from the outside, but until they can stop you inside, you don't really need to think about that. Get the ball inside and finish the easy baskets. Carolina enters with a 79% chance to win the game, according to ESPN's matchup predictor. And I think they do. I think they stay undefeated at home. I I don't think they're going to overlook an opponent that's beaten them uh, back-to-back times in Pittsburgh. And I do think they will come out. And, I mean, look, after a week off, you know, you're not going to be worried about them being tired or having, you know, dead legs. I think they'll be fresh and really ready to go out there and play some of their best basketball because it's that time of the year where, you know, you, you really got to start putting it all together. And, and I think they will. And I'm going to say they get a nice, I'll call it a comfortable win at home on Wednesday against the Panthers. Yeah, I think that this is, you know, I've said, we said earlier, don't overlook this game, looking ahead to the Duke game, I think there's too much motivation here. 
for Carolina. I think they want to prove that they're a tough team. I think they want to shove it right in Jason Capel's face. I'd love to as well. Um, and, and I think you're going to see Armando Baker. Remember, this was the game where after they lost, <laughs> Armando was fired up in the locker room and basically called his teammates out. I think his teammates are going to want to show, look, we're a different team from where we were at that point. I think R.J. Davis, I, I think he'll come back and, and continue what he's been doing. And I, I just think Carolina is too talented to lose another one to Pittsburgh. I think they'll win this game, and I'm with you. I think they'll win this comfortably. I just think this will be one, you know, there, there's so much motivation here that this will be one of Carolina's better performances of the season. And I think, you know, surprisingly, this will be one of Carolina's better wins on the resume to try to impress Joe Lenardi. Well, no matter what happens on Wednesday night, we'll have you covered at HeelToughBlog.com where you'll be able to find a preview article and a recap posted the day of the game as we continue to keep you up to date with the latest on Carolina basketball a little bit later in the week, getting you ready for that Duke matchup. Ashton is going to have an article dropping about uh, his thoughts on the greatest rivalry in all of sports. And, of course, we'll be back with a preview and a recap of that game as well. Uh, as for the football side of things, a little bit more news coming out of the Keenan Center as Carolina gets a certain uh, member of the offensive line that had stepped away from the program. Well, now he's back. Anthony tells you who that player is and why it's important for him to be back on the football team next year. Also, some ACC scheduling news will be coming out. Anthony will have you covered with that information as well. That's all at HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up where we encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But more importantly, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. But with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Once again, thanks to Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Get any sweeter than that!